This is Rad Talk with Tracy, the podcast. This is a place where you'll discover what's possible when people impacted by reactive attachment disorder inspire change and build community through sharing their stories and expertise. I'm Tracy Poffenroth Prado, and I'm your host. I'm really glad you're here. And before we get started, if you like the podcast, please click like, share, and write a review. It helps so much. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy, the podcast. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Erica Baxter. She is an, a mom, a rad mom. She has three bio kids and two adopted daughters. So we're going to talk about her kiddos. We're going to talk about reactive attachment disorder. And I think when we talked earlier, Erica, you were saying you're on the other side of rad. Yes, we are. And it's a great place to be. (laughs) And welcome to the show. So thanks so much for being here and chatting today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, share our story. So when I hear on the other side of rad, I think, because I would say I'm on the other side of rad, but I think it can mean many things. It can mean that your child with reactive attachment disorder has improved, gotten better. It could just mean maybe that they're out of the house and you've got your life back a little bit because sometimes rad even stays. Um, So what does that look like for you when you say you're on the other side of rad? So for us, it means that um, our child is healing and is healed from it. Um, And it's been a really long process, but um, we actually attended the conference at Rad Advocates last year um, in Colorado, which led us to all of the things that helped her improve. Wow. So just super thankful for that. Yeah. So what was happening before that, uh, before that conference, before you had access to, I'm guessing resources and people and what was going on, you adopted two kids. We did. So, um, we, they're sisters, biological sisters, and, um, they, the school principal called me one day, like six years ago and was, she said, Hey, we've got these girls. Um, we want us to keep them in district. And we're seeing if your church maybe has somebody that fosters. And in my head, I went, they're ours. I know they're ours. Wow. I mean, it was just, I knew they were ours. And so um, they've, they've been with us ever since. Um, they're fully adopted now since, for about five years now. So, but they're two different, two different kids. Hmm. The oldest, she actually does not have rad. And the reason is her biological dad was not a good man, but he was a really good dad. So she appropriately formed those attachments when she was younger. Yeah. But our rad kid, she actually, the biological dad died whenever she was four months in utero. So she was born into a world of chaos. Um, Mom was drinking, doing drugs. She didn't ever have that attachment. She didn't have that love. And so that's how we ended up with one rad instead of two. Interesting. And so same biological mom, different dads, same dads. They are full siblings. Uh Okay. Wow. So, um, very, it's to me, that's just the perfect example of 
how rad forms in those first few years yeah. and, and the difference of even just one appropriate attachment. So wait a minute. So same dad, <laughs> this is my trauma brain trying to piece stuff together. So the same dad, but that same dad that formed the bond with the one child ended up passing away before the yes. next child was born. Okay. Correct. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So how so. old were these kiddos? Cause you have three biological children too. So uh -huh. um, were they, were they older? How old were they? And how old were the kids when they came to you? Right. So, um, we're, we completely messed up our birth order, right? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, nobody oldest, knows. <laughs> I know yeah. So our oldest is one of the ones that we adopted. And when she came to live with us, she was 11. And then our bi next biological was, uh, nine. And then we had, uh, adopted and she was seven. Okay. And then we had biological, um, our only boy, he was six. And then our littlest Emmy was, um, like two. Oh, wow. So, wow. And it was the youngest child that you adopted that had the reactive attachment disorder. Correct. Okay. Okay. Wow. What a phone call. And what a feeling to just instantly know that they're yours. Yeah. That phone call was meant for you. It was. I was watching um, Bones, the TV show. Right. And if anybody's seen that, Sweets is a foster kid. And oh, that just pulled at my heartstrings. But we had three kids and we didn't <laughs> think it'd be able to happen for us. And sure. things like the hot water heater went out. And I told my husband, I said, I want the biggest one that we can get because I don't ever want to run that hot water. We, we really you needed hot water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So all those things just led yeah. up to that point. So tell me a little bit about, because you've got a lot going on. You've got biological kids, you've got adopted kids, uh, big family instantly. And then you've got a sibling group who are very different. One had the ability to attach and connect. And then you've got this other child with reactive attachment disorder, new siblings coming together. That's a lot going on. <laughs> Yeah, it was. And it, and it, and it has caused some strain because our oldest adopted, like from day one, she was a Baxter. She was done with it. She had seen too much. She wanted out of that line. Um, but our rad kids, she did not, wasn't too interested, mm -hmm. um, which is a hallmark, right? Um, yeah. and, and she didn't, she didn't follow any of the paths she would think. And you know, we would expect a kid to do that's out of that situation. And we didn't actually have very appropriate training before they came to live with us. So I had never heard of rad. Right. And, um, so we struggled yeah. for years with all of these things that we didn't, we didn't understand. And that was about six years you were saying, right? Yes. Yeah. And you're was. not alone in that because that's my story. And I know that a lot of our listeners are probably relating to that too. That's a, that's one of the biggest, the biggest issues is that we don't go in prepared. There's nobody there. Yeah. Services aren't there to prepare us and resources aren't there to help us. And so like you and like me, many of us six years later are like, Oh, <laughs> this yes. is something. And this is called reactive attachment disorder. And wouldn't it have been nice to have help yes. all along the way, but yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but it sounds like we're going to get to a positive ending, which is really exciting. So we are, yeah. yeah, I kept pushing like in my head, 
I don't think that there are bad children. I don't think any kid just comes out bad. I think it's the experiences. And so in my head, I'm going, I know she's not just a bad kid. Something's going on. So Mm -hmm. I kept pushing, I kept pushing. And eventually I pushed and we got a psych eval. Um, cause I knew that there was some mental issues on, on her biological family side, which is very common, um, right. in, in the foster world. Yeah. And, um, it took me a little bit, but we did get, that's when we got the rad diagnosis wow. and they're like, here, she has rad. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it gave us wow. absolutely nothing except for that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so was that like, helpful okay. getting the answer? I mean, or did you even know? what it was? Was it helpful to at least have a name for it? It was, it was very helpful because this is something I'd never heard of. And so I could start researching it and I, which is, you know, so many of us moms. Yes. Okay. I have something else I can, I haven't been able to be successful in anything else with this kid, but now maybe, right. Maybe this information. And so, um, we started taking that information and and reading up on it. We're like, yep, that's what she has, but we didn't really find anything. What do we do with this now? Mm -hmm. And so there was one day my husband was cruising Facebook and he saw an article put out by rad advocates and we read it and it was, oh my gosh, this is our kid completely and totally. And then that led us to this conference. Um, and we're like, we have to go. Like we, we just knew we had to go. And so last summer, um, we went to Colorado and that's where we met all of the wonderful people that have helped us. It's the first time we ever had anybody tell us that we could have some underlying mental issues above and beyond even just the rad. They can't diagnose um, bipolar disorder until they're 18, of course, but um, Dr. Alston presented at the conference and his paperwork was just critical for us to realize, wait a minute, we just, we've got something else going on in addition to, and so we consulted with Dr. Alston. He recommended medications for her and we, she's on those and it stabled her out. And then we um, met with Dr. uh, With Ms. Forrest, wonderful Forrest. And he um, led us through the process of healing and it's been amazing. So we're going to backtrack a little bit, but first, how long did that take from starting to get help for Jesse and, and how old was Jesse when it started? When, when you, so you went to the conference, how old was Jesse? She was, she just turned 13. So older, all of, yeah, all of this healing has happened since August of this okay. year, wow. last year. Wow. So not even a full year. No. No. And we didn't actually finish all of our therapy with Forrest until around Christmas. Okay. So this is super fresh for us. And we didn't have the, well, it's probably been a couple of years now since we got the diagnosis of Brad, but we didn't actually get answers until the help that you needed until August last year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so I think my brain is like, wow, because older, the older our kiddos get, the harder it can be. It's not impossible, but it's definitely harder. So what hope in that? And then just the fact that you found the right people and got services and, and she has healed in such a short, short time and then allowing you guys to heal. So what did rad look like in, in your house and for Jesse? 
So it was, it was an everyday constant battle. Yeah. She had lying about everything. Um, she would take her sister's clothes um, and then not only take them, she would hide them after oh. she had worn them and complete lack of empathy. Yeah. Um, you know, we never found a punishment that would affect her. It didn't, it didn't matter. It didn't mean anything that we did. It just made it, it didn't matter to her. It doesn't work and it doesn't matter. It's not motivating. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's big. So that was huge. Um, for at school, um, I'm thankful that we live in a, in a smaller district where the teachers know some of our other children because she was saying bad things about me as her mom. Right. And so I had teachers reaching out saying, listen, this is what she said. I know that's not right. I thought you should know. And so thankful for that. So but, thankful because that's really lucky and lucky that yeah. you had other children to parent yourself and know as a parent, what it's yes. really like. And, uh, for people in your community to know you before that, and really solidly, you're very yeah. fortunate. Very. And, but at the same time, you know, we still had people that saw her out in public and they knew our other kids were fine, but like, she's fine. What, how can you possibly be having these troubles with her? She's so yeah. sweet. She's so adorable. She's beautiful. She's the best kid in the class, you know? And I'm like, well, if you only knew what was going on at home, right? but it doesn't matter. They didn't, they didn't see it. Sure. And so, and I know that's a struggle for so many rad parents is, is. getting people to believe them that it, I mean, they're being terrorized in their home own home. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and nobody sees me, it or believes it. Yeah. No. I was very thankful that we're very close to my family mm. um, and they were supportive in us quite a bit. Do they live close by or were they kind they of a distant? Yeah, they do. And so we could explain things to them that were happening and they were in, in our lives enough that they did see some of these inconsistencies. Um, yeah. And they were part of our team uh, to our support team for for her as we went through the process of healing the rad. And so critical, those family relationships were critical for us. That support piece is huge. Family, friends, your community, your school, and your therapists, the programs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how easy or hard was it to get the help you needed? So getting with Forrest, getting with Dr. Alston, what was that process like? So at the conference, we learned that it was super critical to have a team that worked with you and right. that it was okay to pick who you wanted on that team. Yes. And fire people yes. from your team. And that's something I never thought of before. So it was very simple emails to meet with Dr. Alston and with um, Forrest and got that started. So with Dr. Alston, he gave us a diagnosis. And uh, we met with him like twice. He met with us once and then he met with us and Jesse. He provided us the diagnosis. And what that did, her pediatrician was not comfortable um, prescribing the medications. So we had to find a psychiatrist, which is so scary because I mean, you just, can you get someone to believe you is, is the point that you're at. And so I just did a ton of research and I picked the youngest one that I could find that was right out of school because I thought maybe they will have had some sort of a training. 
Oh, that's an interesting, interesting way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Smart. And so I took that, I took Dr. Alston's diagnosis and we met with this new um, psychiatrist and he didn't agree with the diagnosis per se, because he sticks right close to the DSM five. Sure. But he said, I don't care what we're calling it. I'm going to treat it the same way. What a relief. Yes. What a relief. And so, um, you know, that, that initial diagnosis from Dr. Alston was critical in us realizing that there was an underlying issue yeah. mentally that yeah. needed to be taken care of so she could go ahead and participate in the therapy with Forrest. And did you know what that underlying mental illness was or you just I knew, knew it was something? My biological mom um, had, was bipolar. Okay. And, and, and I knew that enough from the history. And I think she's got some other issues too, which is so true about so many of the biological parents of these kids. It is. It is. Yeah. So did your heart stop when, because you talked about being so nervous about finding the right psychiatrist or finding anybody who would believe you. So when this young psychiatrist said, well, I don't agree with the diagnosis. Was there a moment where you thought, "Uh Oh, yes. (laughs) Just my heart stopped when I heard that. So I just wanted to ask. Yeah. It did. And I thought, but I had, you know, I, I just thought, okay, well, I'm going to go somewhere else. Like if he didn't, if he didn't go through with it, I knew enough to go, I don't have to stay here. Yes. I don't have to take this. Yes. And I am her best advocate, even mm-hmm. though she has drugged me through the mud. And mm-hmm. even though I have PTSD from living with my abuser, which so many times is not talked about, but it's so difficult on us primary caregivers. It really is. And so I thought, but I'm still like, if she has any chance of healing, I have to be the one that continues to push this through. Right. And you really are not only are we as the parents are advocates, but we know them so well, we really Mm -hmm. are the experts because lots of people don't even know, including therapists, like we're talking about psychiatrists, doesn't matter, either don't understand it, don't believe it, don't know about it, don't know how to treat it or all of the above. Mm -hmm. I love that you stepped back into your power and took control and trusted yourself and you as the primary caregiver and your knowledge, way to go. That's hard to drum up when you're beat down. It is. And So once we had the diagnosis and once we had the medication, we met with Forrest um, and for him, the medication was a critical piece because her brain could not participate in therapy Mm -hmm. until it was stabilized, regulated. Yeah. And And so uh, once we got her to that point, then we started meeting with Forrest and it was very, it was very interesting. It was honestly so freeing for me as a rad mom because he took everything off of my plate and he put it on my husband's. And that's kind of funny because (laughs) my husband was great, Mm -hmm. but I was the hypervigilant one. Yes. I was the one that was always on top of it. I was the one that was always checking. I was the one Mm -hmm. that was always contacted. And so I, all of a sudden was not responsible for any of the discipline Uh. whatsoever. Doesn't that feel good? You know, we, oh my goodness, when we, our daughter went to a boarding school, a non-therapeutic boarding school, but a specialized one, and they had a few kids with rad and Erica, I can relate so much. I'm just, you're bringing back a memory of what that feeling was like. We, we brought our daughter in and, you know, got her settled. And then I remember the program director 
I don't know if he even knows this, but he said, our, it's our job now to help your daughter and you get to be the parents. But he said, you're, you don't have to be the bad guys anymore. We're going to yes. take that off of you. We're going to be the bad guys. Not that they're bad. You know what I mean? But I do. And I, that I burst into tears. Yes. That feeling of, ah, oh, did you feel that way? Did you know that Rad Talk with Tracy is not just a podcast? We offer one-of-a-kind support services for parents, including supportive coaching, support groups, and retreats. Visit radtalkwithtracy.com. Check out our services and sign up for the one that's right for you. Oh, it was, I just, there was an incident like the night after Forrest was like, you are not allowed to do any more disciplining. You know, yeah. and Ryan, I want you Hallelujah. to do the yeah. room with her. Woo. I know. And so he went in and he was helping her do her room. And I went downstairs and did laundry, right? So you wouldn't think laundry was something that you'd be like, yes, this is fun. This is great. I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> right. But I was, I was just down there and he was up there dealing with her and it was freedom for the first yeah. time in, I, I mean, six years. Yeah. And letting go, so, able to let go yeah. of all of that. Because it's yes. exactly what you said. You're the one hypervigilant, doing all the things, planning all the things, thinking of the next steps. What can we do? Organizing, taking all the calls. Yeah. Yes. All the time, every day. All the time. There's and no I, I work full time. So on top um, of it, right? I, right. And so I would be, I don't know how many times I got a phone call in the middle of an important meeting yeah. and it would be an SOS. We have a problem. I had to take those. And yeah. so that compounded the feeling of, being trapped Ugh, almost so much and just never getting a break ever. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Once we started the therapy with Forrest, um, the first few weeks she was not real into it, of mm -hmm. course. Right. No surprise. And, <laughs> yes. And so one of the things that was very interesting to me about what Forrest did was, um, he had us set up a, a respite therapy home. And what this was, was a place that she could go to practice being a family kid. And I loved the way that he put it in all of our sessions, because he said, I have three rules that let you stay with your family. You have to be respectful, responsible, and fun to be around. And that's not a high goal, really, because there's yeah. nothing really tied to that. But for rad kids, that can be very difficult. And so he set those rules up. And if she wasn't doing that, she would have to go visit this respite therapy house. And it was interesting because she was scared of that. So we never had to use it, um, really? but it, yeah, but it made her um, participate. So the first week he wanted her to write her feelings and she wrote feelings about school. And he said, okay, our problems, not at school, our problems at home. Right. And so the next week she kind of wrote and he said, okay, I'm going to give you one more chance. If you don't do this, you're going to have to go practice. So that week was the first week. It was three, about three weeks in that she wrote down some things that gave him something to go off of. And so we went a few more weeks and she was very, very low. And at the end of the session, Forrest said, okay, you know what? I think, I think it's time. He said, mom, I want you to rock her to sleep tonight. Okay. Mind you, she's 13. And she said, okay. And I said, wow. okay. Yeah. So, exactly. <laughs> okay. 
So um, we pulled a chair, a rocking chair into her room that night. And he told me, he said, just do what you did with your biological kids. Mm-hmm. And so we turned the lights down and I had a CD that I played for both of my biological daughters. And I thought, okay, well, this is what I did. So I'm going to turn it on. And I turned it on my phone and she crawled up in my lap. Okay. She, she's the same size as me. Mm-hmm. And she just snuggled in wow, just like a toddler would. And that song, the song started playing. So I started singing to him because that's what I did with my, mm-hmm. with my kids. And, um, she fell asleep in about a song and a half. And, and I just lost it. Cause I thought this is the first time she has ever been sang to and rocked to sleep. Right. She's 13 years old. And this is the first time. Yeah. And so she slept through the night for the first time that night. And that is when the attachment started happening because all of a sudden she couldn't sleep without me. Wow. That's remarkable. Yeah. And so every night um, she would crawl up in my lap and Mm. it was probably three weeks straight that that was an every night deal. And from that point on, she started to heal. Wow. Wow. And you did too. Absolutely. Did you feel attached to her before that as well? Or did you also have trouble? Um, it was a little difficult for me getting to the point when she started healing, it was hard for me to switch over to, okay, this is a new person. This is a new kid. Everything that has happened before, you have to set that aside and allow her to be this new person instead of just going, you have hurt me so bad. I'm going to continue to hold that over you. I I had to set that aside and go, okay, if she has any chance of healing, I have to heal with her. Were you able to do that yourself or did Forrest help you or did you do other things to help yourself through that? So, I mean, Forrest gave, gave us some kind of guidelines to help and still worked up, you know, talk to us as parents, not only to to her, but to us, Um, you know, and sometimes it was just taking a few minutes and, and just leaving or letting her go with my husband somewhere. So I could have a few minutes to gather myself. Right. Right. You know, that's a really powerful point. You know, we were talking earlier about how everything's coming at us, those phone calls, the pressure, our thoughts and planning and, and that no break 24 hours a day, you know, even when we're sleeping, I think we're dreaming it or we're not sleeping or we're anxious having the right help and allowing some of that burden to be taken off of you so that you have that time for yourself is huge. That's a really powerful point about just even that little piece, how much it helped you and us as moms or the, the primary caregivers, sometimes it's just something so simple like that, that starts our ability to be able to switch and to be able to help a little more, think a little more clearly because we're getting that time. You were getting that time for you to breathe, to think, to step away. And then also having that, that someone acknowledge you and, and put some of that, I don't want to say burden, but all of the stuff that we have to work through and deal with on somebody else, just even that alone, look what it did for you. You're able to yeah yeah, step back and jump back in a little stronger, better, healthier. Yeah. And and it was super interesting because 
when she attached, then she was attached. And so these kids are stuck in like this, like this two-year-old mentality. So everything that she did, we tried to frame in a toddler's mentality. Yeah, that's where and they're so at. As she, yeah. And yeah. as she started to attach, then she wanted to be with me all the time. So it's one extreme to the other. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so I had to learn, you know, anytime I would go anywhere, can I go with you? Can I go with you? Can I go with you? <laughs> and I had to learn to say, no, you're going to stay at home right now. Because I needed a few minutes yes. to breathe. So clingy, and, uh, clingy. Yes. And that's, it's exactly, it completely mimics what a toddler does mm-hmm. completely. And, and we've watched her, um, you know, one of the things that Forrest told us is once they start to heal, they heal pretty quickly and emotionally their age catches up pretty quickly. Really? That's amazing. And I, I, I've been very impressed on how fast it's done that I could kind of equate like the first month she was probably four or five. The next month she's about seven or eight. And you could tell that she was beginning to have the same emotions that that age would have. Within months. Rad Talk listeners, it's time to mark your calendars. The second annual Navigating Rad Conference is happening this fall in Atlanta, Georgia from October 7th to 9th. You won't want to miss it. Visit radadvocates.org to register. Within months, this is, we finished therapy. We did grief therapy with Forrest in December mm-hmm. and we, he released her from therapy in January. So we are two months from that wow. and she is making huge strides. Um, the other day, and this is something you just is so crazy. So the other day <laughs> she had a fight with some of her friends Okay, and pre pre healing from rad. She never would have accepted responsibility for anything that she had done or said. Mm -hmm. She would not have wanted to talk about it. She would have completely melted down. She would have had behaviors the rest of the day. And then it would have just been this huge ordeal. Mm -hmm. So this thing happened with her friends. She came home. She sat at the island and we talked about it. We talked through it. Then she decided she was wrong in parts of it and she wanted to go apologize. And I was like, oh my gosh, we've made it. (laughs) You have made it. I don't know if anybody heard my (laughs) jaw drop and hit the table, but yeah. Wow. That's when you know, I've got goosebumps. That's when you know, I know. And that's, she was sitting there. She's like, I'm so upset with myself. I said, girl, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Like, I know this is. You, you feel like you've been going through this for so long, but you, you're doing good compared to where you were a few months ago. Like this is progress. The fact that you're sitting here and talking to me, that is huge progress. So you have patience because I have patience Mm -hmm. and huge progress, huge progress in such a short time. Yes. That's mock speed. (laughs) Yes. That's exciting. No wonder you want to share your story because it's hopeful and it can happen. Here's the flip side of it. As I listen to you, because, and I don't know if other listeners are feeling this way and I'm not trying to bring the party down. We'll come back up, but I just want to acknowledge that a lot of other parents and families have not been able to get the support or the right support. And in our case, I always feel like, oh, what if what if we had met Forrest or known about 
local even resources or or even resources anywhere. The story is so, so helpful, but I can't help but sometimes feel that sadness or guilt for my kid or other families out there who weren't so fortunate. Yeah. It's a, it's a different, a different place that we're kind of still living in, but how amazing and how encouraging to let people know just to keep pushing and to, to reach out your story is amazing. Um, That's why I want to tell it is because until we found that Facebook article, right. We, we, we didn't have any hope. Um, We, we didn't know what we were going to do, but we knew we couldn't do it. Yeah. More years. Yeah. What was going through your head then? Did you even, or were you just kind of taking it day by day? It was day by day. I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, I can't do this for more years. Yeah, I can't. And uh, I mean, each step, like reading the article gave me hope. The conference gave me hope. Meeting with everybody gave me hope. Mm -hmm. But if I would not have had those things, I it would be a bad situation. And it's a situation that I know so many other parents are stuck in or have been stuck in. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I just, I want to talk about this to anyone that I can, right? um, because there are answers and Mm -hmm. there is help and it completely turns around whenever those things fall into place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking, you know, if I was a parent out there and still with the ability or a child at home, to do that, I'd be thinking, sign me up. I'd be on the internet right now. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what it was like for your kids, all of them, including your adoptive attached kiddo. And what was it like for you, your husband, your marriage, if you're open to sharing any of that, the positives and challenges. So for our biological kids, they didn't really understand it. They just got frustrated with her a lot. And she was very mean to the youngest, which is really? a hallmark of rad. Yeah. And so um, one of the things that we did well without realizing we were doing it is we always believed the other kids whenever they said she had done something. I see. And um, that was critical for them to not be too damaged from this. Okay. But oldest... Um, and Rad's sister is was very much a glass child, mm-hmm. and they t- we learned about that at the conference. Right. And yeah. so, a lot of the things that she was dealing with, she knew we were so burdened already, so she didn't bring them to the table. Yeah. And um, so, as soon as we learned that at the conference, I pulled up articles and I sent it to her, and I'm like, "Listen, this is you. I know this is you." And so we have got to work on you bringing us these things. We're mm. not too busy for you. And she, she still struggles with that some, honestly, yeah. but now she catches herself. Well, I should have said something sooner, but I know you've got a lot on your plate. Mm-hmm. And so that's Aww. something that she's dealing with. Um, but now um, they're, they're all fairly settled and it's more of a sister sibling relationship. Like they're annoyed with her because she's 13. Right. But that's a right. typical sibling Not because reaction. of who she is or the behavior she was yes. doing when she, yeah, had rad. Just because she's in middle school. Yeah. So, <laughs> <clears throat> so it seems like a typical family now. It does very much so. And, you know, going to talk about like 
between my husband and I, I'm initially there was quite a bit of strain because I was beginning to experience anxiety at the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was like, I don't know about that. You know, kind of like one of those things that like, you sound, you sound like your family members, like what's going on. And so I kind of shut down initially. I, I actually was to the point because of all of the hypervigilance and, and everything that I began passing out. I began having panic attacks and passing out whenever, um, our rad kid would have a behavior. Really? Um, yeah. And it was, it was pretty severe. Um, I, they almost put me in the hospital. Wow. My body shut down for five days. I couldn't eat or anything. I lost weight. And, and from that point on, um, my husband was a rock star. Um, he was very much like, um, you know, I'm sorry that he told the kids, he's like, I'm sorry. I let her get to this point. We're going to change things up. Wow. And <clears throat> so that was a definite healing process. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was from the rad until mm-hmm. the conference. Um, and whenever they started talking about that at the conference, oh girl, I lost it. I lost cause I, it, the pieces fell into place. I thought it's not me, yeah. right? So many times it's not me. It's the uh, situation that I'm in and what has been done to me. Mm-hmm. And so it was so freeing to know that what had happened was because of yeah. living with rad. Right. And so um, you know, it, it slowly improved. And then we began, my husband and I began to laugh about it because you have to, in that situation, like, let me tell you what she did today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we very much became a team. And I think that is so critical when it comes to a marriage and a rad kid is you have to be a team because they will try to split you. They'll try to triangulate you and say one thing to you and one thing to you. And you know, our marriage has come out on the other side stronger, um, Mm. because of it. Um, but it very could have easily broken it. And I know so many parents experience that as well. So they do what we forget too, is coming into the, the family and, and with rad is we have our own stuff too. And that comes out and, you know, a lot of us, I always say, sure be nice if before you adopt or, you know, if it's your biological child with rad, I don't know what we do there, but, you know, it'd be nice to have some, or maybe just before parenting to really work through our own attachment stuff, our own trauma, the big T's and the little T's, something to kind of get us in a in a little bit of a stronger place because that's what comes out too. But you're mentioning a whole lot of things. And this is something that is huge. And, and it is about building that team, having your partner support you and being a a team and united together and making sure that you get the right resources and support, whether it's therapy, whatever that looks like programs, um, medications, doctors on board, your family members, if possible, your friends, the school, the community. I mean, you know, it wasn't just the medication. It wasn't just the therapy. It's all of these things because you can be getting therapy and your marriage can be failing, or you could get the medication and not have the right therapy to work through those issues, or you can still experience 
so much hurt and pain in it. If one of those pieces is missing or not strong. Yes. It really takes all those things. It does. And on the other side of it, it's still tiring Mm -hmm. um, because you're still working with a broken kid, not as broken, but you know, now she's to the point where she's beginning to process her therapy. So that brings up a whole nother set of things because now she's able to participate in it and she's beginning to heal from the past, not even the rad, but everything that happened. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, you know, it's still a lot of work now in my head, she's worth it, right? She's worth it. And I I know that there's not a rad parent. That's not like they're worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, but we were just blessed to have everything fall into place for us and hard work too, but just to continue on with it. And, you know, I just, I just want to encourage the other parents, like, keep going. Mm -hmm. you, you know, your kid, you know, what's going on. You know, you're right. You are not crazy. And it doesn't matter if everybody else thinks you are, you, you know, your kid and you're the only thing that's going to help them realistically. So hopeful and just knowing that it's possible. And I think often just knowing that there is a hopeful story and things are resources, people are out there that understanding can help you. That helps to keep going, right? It gives us another little push to, to be able to, or that energy or motivation to keep, keep going. It's great because she now recognizes, like she wants to talk about it and she, you know, is excited about maybe telling other people or meeting other people. And on the ride home the other day, she said, you know what? I never thought I'd say this, but I kind of miss forest. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause that's true healing, right? Whatever yeah. you miss those people that have, have helped you through it. And nice that she can think about what she's thinking and talk about what she's thinking. That's next level, right? That's something yes. that I don't know if we ever think we'll get to, or our kids will be able to do. So what does life look like? So everybody's getting along. You're feeling good. It's still hard. You know, you still have new things popping up. And that's what I was talking about. The other side of rad that can look like whatever it looks like, but that sense of freedom and relief, um, and being able to step back a little bit. Yeah. Is it, what are you guys doing these days? Just normal life? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, five kids. So crazy, but (laughs) things. I mean, we're going to games. We had to pull her out of all of her sports Mm. last year because it was going so badly. And this year she participated in volleyball. She started every game. She did great. She kept her grades up. She, um, you know, I can leave her at the house by herself, which is something that I never could do before ever. Ever. And (laughs) I couldn't leave her with the other kids. Wow. And so that is, I mean, every That's time unreal. I used to leave her, I know every time I used to leave her, something huge would happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, now it's, it's, I don't have to worry about that part. Of I it. was just going to say, do you even worry? No, you trust. You're able to trust. You're both able yes. to trust each other. Yes. Huge. And she's learning to trust herself, mm. which is huge. That really is. That's the big piece too. You know, mm -hmm. it's about trust and trusting the parents, but another great thing you're highlighting there is 
about trusting themselves. I just heard somebody say, I'm not going to get it right, but it was something about lying, but we don't lie to cover up uh, what we've done. We lie to protect ourselves from people seeing what's really there. Mm. And so when you're doing that, you're really hiding yourself and you're not, you don't know yourself. You're lying to yourself too, right. Or hiding yourself. So yes, that makes a lot, a lot, a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. She did not have a cell phone. Well, we, we did like an iPod, like a phone on Wi-Fi for a while. Didn't go well, took it no. away. Um, and so <laughs> now she does have a phone and we control her contacts, mm-hmm. but, and we do regular phone checks, but, but you can like, have a Here. phone. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not worried about it. I know there's nothing bad on there. And before it was always very secretive. So just, you know, small, those small steps are are really huge in a a rad kids world. Small, but huge. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing too. I think all of us relate to that people don't realize is that our kids maturity, you know, their chronological age does not match their maturity levels so much further behind. And yeah, you know, I used to get so frustrated because at certain ages, I'm like, well, everybody else can leave their kid at home and go out for a date night or do this. There's no way we could. Yes. Kids the same age would be able to do this. Ours can't and not have the phone, not have access to certain things because they just can't manage it in a healthy way. And And all those things you mentioned, you know, the phone leaving their child alone, I'm sure people listening, including myself are like, what? I can't even imagine that. So amazing. Amazing. And I could not imagine that. I I, I really did not expect her to heal this quickly. No. Um, And just, I mean, it's just a complete and total transformation. Yeah. Yeah. So... Good. Is there anything else you want people to know? I mean, you've done a Um, fabulous job. (laughs) I just want them to just to know that there are other people out there that understand and to reach out to those people. (laughs) I didn't expect to get super emotional, um, but Mm -hmm. I would have um, given anything to have somebody tell me beforehand that this is what it would be like. And it's so lonely so many times. And, um, you know, there's, there's other of us out there who understand. So find you someone who's in the trenches and just vent to them because they're going to understand and they're not going to yeah. judge because they know right. the way it is and, um, you know, keep going because there are answers. Um, and, and that may look different from family to family, but you know, there's, there's still hope even when it is so difficult. Um, and yeah. the rewards on the other side are amazing. So I mean, and you know what, I think we all want to get there and you make me teary. There were a couple of times in your story, I was getting emotional. Yeah. And often just what you said is it's being able to talk to other people who've gone through what you go through. We run support groups and that's one of the things that is so common and that we hear every time new people join and just see is that relief and to talk to people that get it. You don't have to explain yourself. You can be real. You're not going to be judged. You can cry. That's another one of those little things that is huge that can take so much off and give you that little bit of strength to manage the next hour or the next day. Um, And there's, there's not time for that stuff, but there needs to be time for that stuff. 
Thank you. Huge. (laughs) Yes. And we tell ourselves there's not time for that stuff. And you don't think there is time for that stuff. And really what it is, is because we start spinning, we get into on this hamster wheel that we don't know how to stop anymore. And we don't know how to get off because we just spiral. Well, I'm so happy for you and your family. I can see how relaxed you look right from the beginning and smiling. (laughs) And I know it's not completely over, but the healing and the relationships you have now, your daughter being able to participate in things again and do all these things you and all of us never thought our kids would be able to do. Thanks so much for, for shedding some light on it all and, and hope. Absolutely. Thank you so much for letting me talk about our story. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I hope you'll be back to listen to future episodes. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.